we were friends. Then we had a falling out. Then we became friends again. Mm-hmm. That was our thing. Yeah. What's your version of that? My version of that. And, and don't be sparing. You can be mean. I don't know what it was. It's kind of vague. But I do remember saying, uh, <laughs> Mike, every time you talk to me, you're trying to get something. Oh, my gosh. And you were like, what? I'm just trying to. And you were asking for something. Yeah. And I was like, Mike, literally every time that you come to me, you're trying to get something. And I, it, it, you should know that that is not a... You should know that it's obvious and it's not gonna help you. Oh, wow. That is the voice of the great Tom Papa. If you don't know Tom, you should check out his uh, his Netflix specials. So funny. Uh, great comic, someone I've known for a long time. We, as you, can, as you can hear in the cold open, we have a lot of history. Some of it dramatic. We had a falling out at one point uh, many, many years ago. We've since made up. Uh, We're good friends. We have an awesome conversation where we talk about that, what we learned from it. We work out uh, new jokes together. It's one of the more fruitful uh, joke sessions on the show. You can really sort of see how we break down jokes together. Next weekend, by the way, I'm in Providence, Rhode Island, visiting Joey Bag of Donuts and returning to the Columbus Theater. Those are sold out, but there are still tickets for my shows in Levittown, which is in, on Long Island, on, as well as Sag Harbor, which is also on Long Island. It's in the Hamptons at the Bay Street Theater, which is gorgeous. I actually did The Old Man and the Pool there uh, last summer. And as well as New Brunswick, New Jersey, there's only a few tickets left for New Brunswick, New Jersey. I was, I was actually just in Philadelphia and uh, that was super, super fun at Helium. But I'm going to be at, in New Brunswick at the Stress Factory, which is actually a place that I think I opened for Tom Papa before, <laughs> like 20 years ago. Um, so my life has really come full circle. Um, as for the old man in the pool, the finale of it is going to be in Edinburgh, Scotland, at the Fringe Festival in August. And in the West End. Some people say on the West End. It doesn't make sense to me. I say in the West End at the Wyndham's Theater, the old man in the pool. In September, all that's on burbigs.com. Um, I've said it I've said it before. I'll say it again. Join the mailing list, email list, burbigs.com. That's where you get the, the straight dope. You get all the real updates. And you can also follow me on Instagram at burbigs. And I also join TikTok as well as YouTube. This is going to be on YouTube either today or tomorrow you can watch the video version, which is captivating. We are two handsome gentlemen having a long, serious chat. You must see the visuals. They're captivating. I love Tom. He's got a new book out called We're All In This Together, So Make Some Room. It's great. All of his books are great. He's written a bunch of books. Um, I think you're going to love this one. We work out a bunch of material. It's very, what I love about Tom, in addition to being super funny, just super honest, very, very open book, and and uh, and he wrote a book, so it's all coming full circle. Enjoy my conversation with the great Tom Papa. So you and I met. Yes, I mean it's roughly been- twenty years ago. It was longer. Might have been twenty-two years ago. 21 years ago. I mean, I had just moved to New York and I opened for you. Were you in New York yet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I opened for you I, in Jersey, I think. At, at the Catch a Rising Star. Yeah, at you the, and Cynthia, in the Hyatt wife. Hotel. Yeah, when we met uh, the Hyatt Hotel in Princeton, New Jersey. Yeah. I think. Catch a Rising Star. It was a comedy club in a hotel. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I drove to and fro with you, I hitched a ride with you and your wife, Cynthia, who is the feature act. Oh, and I was the MC. I don't remember. What do the, you remember? I don't remember the ride, but I remember, I remember being there and being relieved when I saw you because you were really funny. Oh. And I, Cynthia and I had been there. She was performing or I was performing. I don't think we were both on the show the time before. And there was this horrible comedian. Oh. I think he was the headliner, actually. Yeah. It was horrible. And he did like this misogynistic thing where he would like beg women to take their bras off on stage. Yeah. Yeah. What a different time. 
And, uh, and it was such a nightmare. And so when we were coming back to that, it was like PTSD. And, uh, and you were on stage and it was like, you just, you know, you just know, oh, this is, this is a new funny mind. Aww. Oh, what relief. We were so, we were so happy. We felt like we adopted you in, in a strange way. You did. We were like starting our little, our little uh, family. I remember perfectly <laughs> that I told you and Cynthia that I wanted to do a thing, and this was before I'd written Sleepwalk With Me and any of my solo shows, I wanted to do a thing where it combines drama and and comedy and a solo show, and maybe there's choreography to it, maybe there's music to it, I don't know. Like it was yeah. kind of like this, I wanna do something theatrical, and you were two of the first people ever in my whole life <laughs> when I pitched this idea to go, yeah, you should run with that. And it's really meaningful, it yeah. actually really stuck with me. Really. Yeah, because it's similar to, to your You're Doing Great book where it's like, I think you have a yes and quality in your life. Mm -hmm. which oh, is, yeah. Which is a good quality to have, especially to other artists, especially like young kid moving to New York doesn't have any idea what he's doing. Yeah, it's so funny because on my way here, I was just, you know, in the car just thinking about you. And I was like, it's so great that he just made all this stuff. <laughs> really? Because I remember you saying like, like I make films that nobody will see or like I, I, I do this, whatever. But it was like now that like we've had some, some time away from the shop that you've been cobbling in all this time. Yeah. Like I was just like, wow, it's so, it's just great that these things did not exist before. And because you went to work and made these things, they're now, a part of the world. It's such a it's such a great, beautiful You're thing. Still doing it. You're yeah. still being encouraging. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I'm a dad, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dad. No, but it really is. It's a beautiful thing. People, I mean, maybe they do realize it's so many people walk around thinking, I should make a film. Yes. Or I like you bet in the back of whatever we were yeah. driving, like, I'm thinking of maybe I should do that. To actually do it is a huge, huge thing. That's like Step. my main piece of advice for all young aspiring artists. Make something, figure out what, what you could have done better, make another thing. <laughs> yeah. Figure out what could be better, make another thing. Yeah, yeah. But then you and I, we were friends. You helped me. Uh, I opened for you a handful of times. You helped recommend me at clubs. Then we had a falling out. Then we became friends again. Mm -hmm. That was our thing. Yeah. What's your version of that? My version of that. And, and don't be sparing, you can be mean. No. <laughs> you can be like, you were a jerk in this way, I don't care. It wasn't mean, but it, it was, because uh, Cynthia was like aware of it too. Uh, and you know, I hate to criticize any of us when we're scrambling and yeah, trying yeah. to find our way. Yeah. Because, and there's, we're trying to find our way, you're trying to, I criticized you at one point. You came and you asked you you asked for something or did something. I don't even remember, which is I don't even remember. But I remember saying to you, Mike, and maybe it was maybe because you hadn't been around. I don't know what it was. It's kind of vague, but I do remember saying, uh, <laughs> Mike, every time you talk to me, you're trying to get something. Oh my gosh! And. And you were like, what? I'm just trying to, and you were asking for something. Yeah. And and I was like, Mike, literally every time that you come to me, you're trying to get something. And I, it, it, you should know that that is not a, you should know that it's obvious and it's not gonna help you. Oh, wow. And it's so hard because I don't have the things. Um, we're all trying to get somewhere. Right. We all want something from the people ahead of us. Um, but there has to be a a truth to it. Like it has to be kind of, you know, I wanted things from people ahead of me. Yeah. There's a finesse to it. You know, there's a thing. Yeah. And for whatever reason at that time, there wasn't the, it wasn't wrapped in the in the kindness or the we're still friends. It was just, it was just that. Yeah. And... And I said it purely as because we loved you. I yeah. said it purely because it wasn't like, fuck off, I never want to see you. It was, you should be aware of this thing that you're doing. 
Yeah. Because it's transparent. And that was where I was coming from. I, that's almost exactly how I remember it. The funny detail that's aside from that is that you told it to me at the comedy cellar while I was sitting at a table <laughs> on a date. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't picture that. I picture <laughs> me sitting and you being up. Oh, the other way terrible. around. Other way around. <laughs> I was seated. You were up. Yeah. It was a low angle from yeah. you to me. And you said it. And you were right. Look, I'm hugging myself. It's so, it was, yeah. First of all, you're, you were right. It's a great Achilles heel of my 20s. It's something I look back on and, and cringe at and try to learn from. And I'm probably still doing in some way, shape, or form still. We always are. Right. But, but. I was on a date. It was terrible. It was before I met Jen, and it was like, and and I and it, it wasn't even like I was on many dates, but it was like <laughs> you said that, and then I was left to be like with this person. I was left. Um, so yeah, Tom. Tom's my friend. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. <laughs> but it was um, it was very sobering. It was very sobering. And I didn't was, like it. It was helpful. Mm -hmm. It was tough love. Mm -hmm. It hurt. It hurt, but I think hurt can be good. It hurt a lot. I didn't like it either. Um, but for me to do that, most people, you, if you don't care about somebody, you're just like- Nothing. You just walk, right, exactly. Yeah. The biggest insult is to say nothing. But I remember being angry about it, which means that I probably had my feelings hurt. Like maybe we weren't hanging out. Yeah. Who knows? Like maybe I had other people in my life that weren't being nice to me. Who knows? But I definitely was feeling sensitive about it. It was, I mean, part of it, I remember, was trying to tell you, like, hey, be aware of this. But, um, but why I was, like, angry about it, I don't know. Well, it's funny because, like, I feel like the the, the zoom out lesson, and it's maybe for my life now still, and maybe it's for yeah. anyone listening to this, is like, is like when you're creating things, like you do need to ask for a lot of favors, right? Like it's the nature of the thing, and there yeah. is your word is finesse, but it's like there is like a contextualization of acknowledgement mm -hmm. of like, hey, look, I'm really struggling to do this thing and you completely don't have to do this, but if you could possibly consider this, mm -hmm. I would love it if you consider this. Instead of yeah. like, hey, can I have this? Can I have this? Which I'm yeah. sure was probably my level of finesse, which is zero. Yeah, and I'm sure I had my own baggage and shit that was going on at the same time. Cause I give people advice all the time. You have to ask for things. Yeah. You do have to ask. Constantly. You have to like say, you know, hey, you'd have this thing and you're in this place. I would love if you could. Yeah. You have to. But that can't be the, you can't be the, the one, you can't be the dog just constantly begging for a treat. Once in a while I have to sit on their lap. <laughs> I think that's right. Right. I think my frustration at that time was that you were newly opening for Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. And which was a kind of a wild, kind of yeah. flying to the moon kind of concept. Even. Yeah. And so my perception was, because you were like in private jets with Seinfeld around the world and playing yeah. in front of these. And in my mind, and this is a classic thing, you look at someone else, you go like, they have it all. Mm-hmm. I can ask them. Mm -hmm. They have it everything. Right. Meanwhile, you're raising kids. You have your own yeah. things that you're that are challenges. Life never, ne life never becomes not hard. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But I think in, I think in at least in our business, there has to be, you have to have a friendship with people before you ask for stuff. Oh yeah. So something must have happened in our friendship at the time, you know, yeah. probably. Cause like I have this new book coming out. Yeah. So last night I'm, I wanna send my book out to all of my famous friends yeah. who, might, who might put a thing on Instagram about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you look through the list of people and there are certain people I can ask because we haven't really been close. Oh, yes. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like you go to text them and you're like, whoa, I haven't texted in two years. Yeah. This is a big ask. Yeah. But other people who I'm who I have a relationship and we have we love each other, I could ask them. Yeah. And they can say no. Or they could say what, you know. 
So like we're always asking, we're always helping, but I think there has to be a foundation of friendship. I feel like I regret that it was so biting when we had that talk because it derailed us for years. Yeah, I know. But then we then we made up one at the cellar at the table, like <laughs> like literally just like me. I think it was me being like, "Hey, I, I was wrong about that thing," and you were like, "I was probably wrong too." And yeah. then it was kind. Of, we just moved on from it. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. You know, which is I think sort of how you repair anything is just conceding that you're probably wrong, and the nuance of it is maybe not precisely what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And you also, the care for the person overrides the, I am, I, I hate to say that, but I am a Scorpio. <laughs> oh no, don't do this. I know. Don't, don't become this but person, But I have Tom. this trait, but the trait, <laughs> the trait that they always talked about, about being a Scorpio, my mother was really into astrology. And the thing was like, when people turn on you, they're dead to you. Yeah. You don't, it's a forgiveness is a is a difficult mode. Yeah, you know, like once, like I don't even I'm uncomfortable fighting with people that I love because, like, even when I see in movies and someone's so shitty to their wife, and then she forgives him, I'm like, yeah, but he still said that stuff. Like, how can you let yeah. him back in? You know what I mean? Like, I always have that hard, that difficult part. But with our little story. Uh, it was like, no, I really care about Mike. And and it was like, whatever happened in that moment, whatever we were involved in, yeah. it was a lesson for both of us. I think as a friend, it was the intent to say it, but it was definitely harsher than I wanted it to be. But ultimately in the in the in chapter six of it was we like Mike. Mike, we love Mike. Like, and it's like, why should that be? Why should we we shouldn't linger and hang on that stuff? And even like today when I said, I call my wife, you know, in the morning and what's your day? And I, she goes, whose podcast are you doing today? And I said, I'm going to do Mike, Mike Birbiglia's podcast. She went, oh, Mike, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that says it all, Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was a, it was a weird spot, but I'm, I'm glad we got through it because there's been other people that, you know, you don't come back to. What was, like that era of the comedy cellar, people were so mean to each other, remember that? No, of course. <laughs> it happened yesterday. I was on the, <laughs> I was doing my radio show with Fortune and uh, and I had to, I couldn't use the studio because Robert Kelly was up there. Yeah. And it was a scheduling thing. So I run downstairs to the olive tree and I've got my headphones on and I'm doing the radio show. Yeah. And, and Robert comes down because I had walked in on him and then I left and he comes down and he just starts shitting on me on yeah, the yeah. radio. He's like, you son of a bitch, you, you can't walk in there with your big head. No, it's, you can't, it's not a subtle thing. You walk in there with your big, oh your big fucking head and you interrupted my podcast. And this is on the air with oh me and God. Fortune and Fortune and my producers are watching. And he's like, uh, you know, it, it's not your studio. You come to town and you actually, that's why you have Fortune on the show because she's nice. You're not really nice. Oh my God. And he goes, all right, I gotta go. I love you. I'll see you later. Oh my and he God. walked out. That's so funny. And Fortune was like, God, New York comics. They love to rip Oof. each other apart and then say, I love you at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Boston too, of course, Robert's yeah. Boston. And yeah. so was Patrice. Patrice was oh my Boston. God. Patrice used to go, big head, Leah. Mike, big head, Leah. And I was like, Patrice, you got the biggest head I've ever seen in my life. It's the biggest head. You, I mean, I don't, I don't want to insult you. You have the biggest head of any human I've seen, not even a comedian. And of course, he's, so his mean. voice was so loud yeah. that he would overpower anything you were saying. Oh, 100%. The, the, there would be nights in the early 2000s. <laughs> so mean. Where I would, between him and Jim Norton, who I love and and... And I did like Patrice, and I think he's a brilliant comic, but like um, they would be so mean. It would be, and did they ever do this one to you? You'd walk, <laughs> you'd go, you'd leave for the night, and then Jim Norton would go, oh, yeah. hey, Mike. And then I look around, and then they'd continue talking to each other as though they'd get you to turn back. Yeah, as though nobody said anything. Uh -huh. And then I'd walk again, Mike. And they'd say it just enough that you turn. <laughs> And then they keep talking to each other as though not, and and it's cr 
cruel. <laughs> it's so mean. Have they done it to you? Oh, they did it. To, it was their. They did that to everybody for a long time. Oh my god! As soon as you'd be leaving. Hey, oh, wait, Tom. Come back. And they're all like, ah, they got me again. They got me again. But it it's never stops. I mean, it's a love language of some sort. Like I walked into the cellar on Sunday night and I walk in and as soon as I get up to, this is Colin by himself, Colin and Ava. Colin Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, as soon as I walked up, Tom, Nobody is happy that you're back in New York. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so good. Colin's one of the great, like, observational comedians mm. combined with yeah. being cruel to his friends. <laughs> yeah. People like you were his friends. I know. And, and, and the problem with the problem with Colin, as opposed to the other ones, is that he's right. He's often he's right. So intuitive yeah. about human nature. Yeah. And if he says that you're, he'll nail no, it. Then if he says nobody's glad you're back, kind of no one's glad you're back. <laughs> right. <laughs> or at least I'm walking in there acting like everyone should be happy. Oh my gosh. I mean, he's boom, like, an, like a laser beam. He's so good at yeah. that. Yeah. What's the meanest, what's the thing that people say to you that's the, the meanest and like maybe true? Like they, it's in, still in my head. It's 15 years later from when he said it. It was just so damn funny, but there is a little bit of truth to it. When uh, Mulaney was on my, I do this radio show called Come to Papa, which is like a variety show. It's like music and sketch and comedians. And Mulaney was on <laughs> in Largo. And, uh, and they're supposed to be mean. They're supposed to be saying, I wrote the script. This is funny you're supposed to be insulting me. They're supposed to be coming at yeah. me. So think him and AG or Al Madrigal, somebody. <laughs> and Mulaney said, and Mulaney called me. He was like, get out of here. He's talking to me. And he goes, get out of here, Jim Gaffacant. Oh, my <laughs> God. Jim, Jim Gaffacant. It's so brilliant. Be, uh, it's so brilliant and, and it lingered because it was like, ouch, because Gaffigan is always, he's always huge. Yeah. He kind of does the same thing, but he's just so much bigger. He's huge. He's and a he's, great observational comedian. <laughs> and a great and, actor. Yeah. And there is a sense of me chasing Jim oh, in a way. We, we, we started together. And Jim Gaffigan oh, God. is such a brilliant... <laughs> Line, yeah, that one stuck with me. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so well Mul written. Mulaney is a uh, Mulaney's a beast, actually, <laughs> and his persona hasn't typically yeah. allowed for him to really shiv people. And yeah, when but when you <laughs> when you start kicking around, uh, you know, lines about comedians like Gaffa Cant. He's as funny as they come. Well, the problem and with mean, this- as mean as they the come. The problem with this hornet's nest that we live in- Yeah. Of comedy, you're dealing with brilliant minds. Yeah. You're dealing with very insightful, very truthful, very funny, very yeah. cutting. If they, yeah, I mean- And to your point, the love language actually <laughs> is insult. The, not, the, the true insult oh. is nothing. Oh, a hundred percent. The most insulting thing that can happen in a group of comedian friends yeah. is no one makes jokes at your expense. <laughs> I know. It's really <laughs> because true. Because nobody cares. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's such a weird thing. And it's a, it's this odd continuation of coming from Massachusetts mm -hmm. and being bullied as a kid. I mean, I was bullied, got beat up a lot. And then it's like, you move to New York and it's like, and you're, you're I'm in, I was in my 20s and I was like, I guess it's the same. It doesn't change at all. <laughs> it doesn't change one bit. And it is like like I was I was out on your corner and when I got here and I'm just like soaking in the neighborhood and there are these three 65-year-old yeah. older Italian guys all hanging around yeah. a car ripping each other Oh, were they ripping apart. each other apart? That's nice. Ripping each other apart. Yeah, yeah. That's what you do in families. <laughs> it's like if you can mock everybody, it's like it's it's fun. We have a sense of humor about ourselves, and it is a great thing. 
you know? Yeah. The problem with us is that you have the best comedic minds in the world (laughs) taking a shot at you, which is, uh, there's no mercy. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of Italians, great line from your book, when Italians are trying to be quiet, they are emotional, expressive, and loud. (laughs) (laughs) It was like dead on. Yeah. I mean, I I think my wife, Jenny, sometimes is beside herself with um, the how loud my family is. Uh-huh. Like everyone talks at the same time. It's not unlike a comedian's table yeah. where it's just like the loudest voice wins. <laughs> yeah. The other voices fall away. They don't even stop yeah. talking. They just blend into the into the ether. <laughs> Support for Working Out comes from Aura Frames. We all love taking photos on our phones, right? But there's so many of them. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of photos wasting away in your camera roll. Stop scrolling through so many photos. Start putting them to good use with a unique, stylish digital picture frame from Aura Frames. I got one of them right by my bedside. It's like a slideshow of photos that I really like from my of my family that sort of scrolls through on this little frame, this little picture frame, I love it. Free unlimited storage, you can add unlimited photos and videos, invite as many people as you want to a frame. There are absolutely no hidden fees or subscriptions, and it's private. You have complete control over who has access to your frame. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code WIO. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, code W-I-O. Terms and conditions apply. Support for Working It Out comes from Viore. Viore is a clothing company that draws inspiration from the coastal California lifestyle. I was thrilled that they were willing to be a sponsor because I could just talk about how soft and comfortable their clothing is all the time. I mean, I'll read the stuff they told me to say. It's uh, It inspires others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does that. But also, my experience is just very, very comfortable. Viore offsets 100% of their carbon footprint. And since 2019... They've also offset 100% of their plastic footprint. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off. Ooh, that's good, your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable, versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash burbigs. That's viore.com slash burbigs. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping. What? Free shipping. On any U.S. orders over 75 bucks and free returns. That's viore.com slash perbigs. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. This is a quote from, from your last book, You're Doing Great. You've written three books now, so you're making a lot of comedians feel bad about themselves. I'm an author now. (laughs) Here's a quote from You're Doing Great. We're all somewhat unpleasant, which is another way of saying disgusting, and we're all flawed, all of us. That's what love is, finding someone whose flaws you can put up with. And it's like a beautiful quote because it's it's um, unexpected. Takes uh-huh. takes a twist. It takes a turn. It seems like it's sentimental, and then it's not. Right, right. But with by not being sentimental, it kind of is sentimental. In a certain yeah, way. I mean that stuff is like that's all within my sandbox, though. You know what I mean? Like yeah, sure. I'll like uh, I did something about that I didn't like dogs, and Bill Burr was like, "That's what I want to see. I want to see you just like." taking turns on all the things that people expect that you would like and you don't like yeah. them, like that kind of a thing. And, uh, but like for me, for edgy, I don't consider, for me, and it's just maybe it's a mental thing, I don't consider edgy like talking about dying or like any of the stuff within this human thing. I always think of it as uh, culturally, the hot buttons in the culture. Yeah, You know what I mean? Talking about, abortion, talking about guns. Yeah. I always see that as what edgy is and I don't really go there. <laughs> I don't, th- it's it's funny cause like I always think, I know what you mean that 
that is the tr- I think that's the traditional understanding of edgy. But I also think that there's a certain yeah. type of edgy, which is like when you're saying something where you really might lose the audience on a personal level. Like I have this bit right now that is not done and I'll say it on here because it's working it out. But it's about how like my wife said to me recently, like, I feel like you're not happy. And I'm like, right. That's the whole thing of me. That was the thing when we met, it was cool. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, I'm not yeah. happy and I'm funny about it. You know what I mean? And then we met and that was awesome. But I'm still not happy. And then we had a kid and it's great, but I'm still not happy. Like, but you think it's funny because you're a comic. I can't get an audience <laughs> well, to so fully I'm, get behind it. Yeah, you can't? Not yet. Uh-huh. I mean, but I'm but I'm fighting it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the boxing analogy is like, I'm staying in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm punching, I'm jabbing, and I'm trying to find it. And I haven't found it yet. Seems to me like it would work immediately. It's okay. It's okay. I think that there yeah. is some degree to which an audience wants to. I don't know. It's like they yeah. they want it to wrap up a little nicer. Yeah. Well, you that's, ever have that with bits where you're like, yeah. oh, they like the idea. They're they're here for the trip, but they want to go to a planet. They don't want you to be a bummer. Also, <laughs> yes. They want. They want. They're looking to you for a little bit of hope. Yeah. You know? And if you if you just bum them out and split, like, wait, no. Well, yeah, you have to bring it full circle, I think. <laughs> it's funny to kind of take your wife back and like give evidence. But weren't you happy when we had when we went oh. to Disney World? Yeah, but look in this picture. That's not a real smile. Oh, yeah. That's not a real smile. I'm, you know, I mean, we have fun. Yeah, it was fun, but I wasn't happy. <laughs> what about when we were at the beach that time in the thing? Yeah, remember when I <laughs> left before dinner for a while? I was crying in the shed. <laughs> oh. oh, that's nice. Give examples. Some yeah. kind of like. <laughs> we'll extrapolate it out. This is another one from your book, You're Doing Great, which I love. And also like, one of the things about You're Doing Great, and I love your new one too, but I just got it, so I haven't finished it yet. Skimmed it. Skimmed it, yeah. Is that I love the You're Doing Great book and I highly recommend it to people because it's very encouraging Mm. and yet funny. Uh Uh-huh. You're like a funny Gary V. (laughs) (laughs) Like somehow you're pulling it off. Theoretically, yeah. that shouldn't work in comedy. No, I know. Yeah, I, I'm not. Cyni- I'm not cynical. You're not cynical, but you're real. Yeah, it's a, yeah. But I think that it's. I think if you if you want to be real and adjust the way you're looking at the world, uh, you should be less cynical. This is as good as it gets, right? And that's okay. Like we have this idea that it's all supposed to be so much greater and so much happier and so much bigger and yeah. so much more rewarding, well, then you're gonna be unhappy. But if you really accept this is where it's at, you'll be happy. You can be happy here, like, cause you've already done it. You're doing it. You've actually, there's no finish line. There's no race that you're on. You're in it right now. Yeah, that's yeah, what Pete, you're- Pete Holmes said recently, like a, a he relayed a famous quote, which is, uh, how you feel about your life right now is how you feel about your life. Right. (laughs) And it's true. Yeah, (laughs) 100%. And when I started doing it, I I took that title from my standup because I was on the road and I just started telling people, you know, you're you're doing great. You're doing great, yeah. Whatever you're going through and I had all these jokes, whatever, but I was like, ultimately, you're doing great. This is it, guys. Yeah. This is prime. It's not gonna get any better. Like, this is it. You know, in, in a short time, you're gonna be like, people gonna ask you to go out, you're gonna be like, are there stairs? Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, so you're doing great. And people, and I was just, it wasn't like a conscious like push to have this be a phrase or anything, but people, the audience started coming up to me when I would sign books at the end of my shows. And they were like, thank you for saying that. It's weird because I said that to my, I have a bad shoulder injury I've been talking about on stage, but I, <laughs> um, I've i been going to a physical therapist and I said to him recently, because he does stuff 
that makes me in real time happier. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like I'm in deep pain, yeah. like chronic pain, uh-huh. and then I'm happier. And I go like, it must be really rewarding to make people happier in real time, mm-hmm. to have a profession. He goes, that's why I do it. Yeah. He goes, it's it's that feeling where you can actually help a thing and, and there's a result. And I think your comedy has it. I, I, I strive for my comedy. Um, I think uh, if you're if you're lucky enough that your job has like a one to one relationship with helping people or making them happier in some even the most minuscule of ways, I think you're super lucky. So lucky, so lucky. Do you have to remind yourself that that's happening? I'd say once Get once every few up weeks. in your career and your stuff and making getting through the set and getting through this Friday night. Every few weeks I have it, yeah. or maybe once a month I have it where someone says something to me, you know, I remember last summer in Los Angeles, I was doing the old man in the pool and this woman said to me, you know, I've had a bunch of people die in my life in the last few years and one of them was my dad. And tonight I felt like I was laughing with my dad and I was just like, oh, just yeah. hit me like a truck. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's why you do it at all. Yeah, no kidding. I don't think, I don't know. I just liked making people laugh when I was younger. I just liked like being the kid who made people laugh. It yeah. was just like, yeah, you know? Yeah. It was just, that was just fun. Yeah. But now I'm seeing the depth of it. And I, you know, we're all in it for different reasons, but I consciously now remind myself of it before I go out. That this, oh, you do? This is, yeah, it's not all about me. This is, this is about them. It is about them, yeah. And uh, I try and be conscious of it because, you know, it's not gonna be like that for everybody in the audience, but it is a pretty huge thing. And it's a corny thing to be like, I do it to make people happy and all that. And I, I, I have a bunch of comedians popping off in my head, like, that's not why I do it. <laughs> no, of course, but I, of course. But I do see it a little bit at this age, I see it as a kind of a bit of a mission. That's what it's for. It's for yeah. honestly, it's for it's for the one person who needs it. Yeah, in that audience. Yeah. And by the way, I'm saying your shows. Only one person really gets it in your shows. Per- but not every show. <laughs> I was just gonna say because I sign books, <laughs> and some people are just running for the exits. <laughs> and I'm there with a fresh sharpie, uh... <laughs> not signing anything. <laughs> Do you, does Cynthia ever? Does your wife Cynthia ever see a bit that you do and go like, you know, <laughs> I, like, is, do you have to talk about that? You have to, you know, a little mean? bit. Like, what is it when in this when the subject matter veers into what? Do you find that? Um, I, th- I feel like it's a little bit more of um, of. Uh, Taking shots maybe at the drudgery of marriage. Yeah. You know, because it's, and it's changed. Like when, we, when, when we're all young, we're all beautiful and confident and stuff. And the older you get, the more vulnerable you feel. Oh, interesting, yeah. You know, and I feel vulnerable. Of course. I know she feels vulnerable. And so if I, so things are, things can hit now that, maybe you're a little bit like poking that vulnerability. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, my philosophy is always anyone in my relationships and my family uh, should be okay with the jokes if we're solid in real life. Oh, interesting. And so if she's unhappy with a portrayal of her in a joke, yeah, uh, it's less about the joke than it is about my not being attentive or taking care of her in real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's like she it's an indicator. If she's if if she's saying I don't like this joke, that's a warning light that whatever that subject is, you should kind of pay attention to it. There's yeah. In real life, you should be like, "Oh, have you not been telling her she's the most beautiful person yeah. in the world? Maybe not for five years. I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it kind of makes you makes me look a little in like that, which is a lot harder to fix than just not do the joke. There's a there's a parallel 
between what you're describing and journaling, which is I always tell the listeners of the show because a lot of creatives listen to the show is like, if you can grab a notebook and and journal and write down the things you feel strongly about, yeah. get them out, yeah, yeah. angriest about, saddest about, because mm-hmm. you can start to read them back and zoom out and see your own life as a story. And yeah, and uh, and when you see your own life as a story, you can encourage the main character to make better decisions. It's great. And nice. and, uh, and but that's I think that's true in what you're saying in relation to sometimes when you're on stage, you go. Oh, actually, this is symptomatic of something actually going on that right. I'm not dealing with. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I had one where I took <laughs> it out of my act where I go like, marriage is like prison, but it's sort of like a Scandinavian prison where it's on an island and you can learn a skill and it seems like you can leave, but you can't. <laughs> and it's a funny joke, but it had like an aftertaste to uh-huh. it. And so I took it out. Yeah. It's just like, I was like, it's yeah. not worth the laugh is fun. Uh-huh. The joke's fun. Yeah. But it's not quite right. Yeah. It's funny because the way you're talking is the way I think with the relationship with the audience. Yeah. And, like them. and uh, you know, it is such a kind way to go at comedy. Like that is a very, th- that and the other joke you told uh, about not being happy. Yeah. Those are... You have to have real empathy and be very thoughtful and sensitive to think like, I'm going to pull that because the audience is feeling slightly uncomfortable right. with it. I mean, it is at such a level of kindness <laughs> that, right. that is like, you could go so much further. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's what I should do too. I mean, that, well, that, sometimes sometimes you can go further and actually it makes it better Mm-hmm. Because the joke's better, yeah, and the joke is more complex, yeah. Like in some ways, I think that joke sometimes it's like a case of like a joke needs more or it needs less. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you need to do five minutes on that, or you <laughs> need to do ten seconds on that. Yeah, uh, Scandinavian prison. No one knows what that is. I know what you mean. I actually got it. I, I got if you it. just said prison, if you were like. Prison, but like one of those nice ones upstate where you can learn, oh, you can, where, you, where they let you finger paint and it seems oh like gosh. you're having a good time, but they won't let you leave. Oh, yeah. Because I'm trying to think, White what's a prison? Scandinavian prison? And should I know what a I Scandinavian Michael, prison is? I got it from the Michael Moore movie about <laughs> capitalism, where, <laughs> yeah. where it was like he went around the world to all these different places uh-huh. where they kind of do things better. Yeah. And and one of them was a Scandinavian prison. And it was like, <laughs> oh, it's nice. Yeah. And actually, like, there's a lot higher rates of, like, reforming people because, like, they're learning a skill and all that kind of stuff. But I, I know all you All of mean. that description is has just gotten in the way of you it's getting the, to the punchline. Tom, line. please. It was, <laughs> it's in the footnotes. It's so funny, it's right? In the, it's in the, it's in the yeah. DVD extras. <laughs> this is my brother Joe wrote this question, which I think is great. It's a quote from your book. You're writing about an ex-girlfriend who called her breast her crazy aunt, which is a great line on its own. And she took them out every chance she got. As my grandfather would have said, she was a real gamer. (laughs) I loved her, but eating with her was a nightmare. She chewed so loudly, people at other tables thought she was kidding. (laughs) Thought she was kidding. She slurped soup. Sucked on clamshells and chomped on seeds. Patrons would look over in amazement as she shoveled food into her mouth like her face was an angry wood chipper. Joe Berbiglia's question is, is this woman going to recognize herself in the book and beat the shit out of you? <laughs> it's a good question. You have that, right? When you do it, you're like, ooh, this one's close. Well, it's a dark, I've disguised a, it a little bit, yeah. but did I disguise it enough? <laughs> that, that's a deep cut. Yeah, I have I have friends from that's from the <laughs> the new book from the previous book. I had a a comment about a friend of mine who um, licks their fingers and stuff when yeah. they eat, and yeah. I thought, oh, for sure, I'm busted on this. Yeah, they're gonna know for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's Nothing. never them. It's never no, them. It's never them. It's never them. You I again, people creatives <laughs> listen to the show. People ask me this all the time. They message me. Yeah. How do you write when you know that it's gonna be people are gonna read it? I always go, change the name, 
add some details that aren't true. Yep. You know? Uh-huh. Ta- you know, take away something, add us something. They never know. They never know. You don't even have to have that many details. People can't even see. People can't see themselves. I know. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content. On beautiful video pages, you can even access your video library by adding a paywall to your content. My God, Squarespace is keeping up with the times. They're the forerunners of the industry. They're way ahead of us and right with us. I made up that slogan. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, friends. This is a little shout-out to my cats, Precious and Mr. Mustache. <laughs> this ad is, is for them. Those are my two cats. I love my pets. I know you love your pets, too. And today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance program. They offer customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you and me to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash WIO for working it out. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash WIO. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash WIO. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. Do you have any half-written bits right now that you're sort of like tinkering with on stage? Um, I'm tr- I'm working on this this one chunk where it's in the realm of um, um, the great thing about Twenty Three and Me and these DNA tests and stuff is that you. Uh, not only find out who you are, but you find out all your family secrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a little, I knew we knew we were going to be Italian and German, but there was a little French in there. And I said to my mother, where'd the French come from? She goes, oh, secrets out. Your grandmother was a whore. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I talk about how that generation had secrets. Like they just did not talk about yes. stuff. Yes. They were able to just, able to or just did. Anything that was uncomfortable, anything that was undiagnosed, yeah. anything that was a sh- shameful in front of the neighbors, they just stuck it in the attic, just yeah. put it in the attic. And um, and I said, there's something wrong about that, but there's also something right about that. There's also something great that you could actually have secrets. <laughs> right. You could actually not talk about certain things. Yeah. And we've come so far the other way that we're, there's no secrets to yeah. the point where we're like ripping, tearing down great people because they had a flaw. Yeah. Martin Luther King was great. You know, he cheated on his wife. Yeah. Eh. JFK was great, right? Yeah. He had an affair with Marilyn yeah, Monroe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mother Teresa, well, she was a stripper in Calcutta. <laughs> I don't think that's right. <laughs> is that right? I don't, I don't think, think that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, this is the part that I'm working on is, uh, it's great that we don't have secrets. It's great that we deal with mental health. It's great that we're not putting things in the attic. 
we are a little too into ourselves. Mm. We're a little too into what a luxury that we can all just be analyzing our feelings and our place in the world mm. every second. And look, therapy's great. It's nice to have some place to go to talk things out, especially when your friends and family are sick of listening to you. Yeah. It's nice to go play, call your mom horrible name somewhere. When, that's why it costs $200 because it's worth it. Um, it's okay to go to therapy and it's good to go and have an outlet as long as you know you're not going to get fixed. Right. We uh, aren't robots that break and then go to the repair shop. We're constantly changing, moving, evolving. Yeah. So why would you pay attention to your emotions every second? I say to the audience, uh, so, so just to give a demarcation, this is the part that I'm, it's from that part, when I start to talk about therapy is maybe not the best thing to do all the time. Yeah. I'm feeling the room wobble a little. Yeah. And then I say, um, I say to the audience, you're different now than when you walked in here. I know for a fact, you're slightly different emotionally than when you came in. Yeah. That's how much we change. Yeah. The weed's wearing off, the alcohol's kicking in. Yeah. Some of you are wishing you hadn't peed, especially in the center section. Yeah. And uh, I say, sometimes I'll be at the kitchen sink doing dishes. And this is obviously a whole chunk that I'm struggling with. Sometimes I'll be at the kitchen sink doing dishes and I'll think, I feel good right now. I don't know if it's the weather or I ate something great or got a good night's sleep. But right now, for some reason, everything is a-okay. And I'll walk into the hallway, turn the corner and go, fuck this place. Yeah. And whose shoes are the, I, and I don't even talk like that. Yeah. Why am I even thinking this? Whose shoes are those? Why do I live here? What is going on? And then go back downstairs and see my dog and think, ah, it is a nice day. Yeah. So the things for you, my question's for you, yeah. Obi-Wan. <laughs> um, is the therapy, a, am I off base in kind of figuring that out? Because I no, I think I think it's a pro, the proclamation. I think is really interesting. It's self obsessed culture. Mm -hmm. I find it to be so relatable. Like I find, especially especially the part where you go, the therapy part. I think is a little bit outward facing in the sense of like uh, it's a it's mm -hmm. a judgment of mm -hmm. culture in general as mm -hmm. opposed to it's about you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm more engaged when you start talking about I'm washing the dishes and. I feel amazing and then I feel terrible and then I feel amazing again within the span of like yeah. five minutes. I, for me, I'm transported into your shoes mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I know that feeling so much. Yeah, I wrote a joke years ago, but I never got it to work where I go like, I go, sometimes I literally, I'm just like, life is beautiful. Like literally the words that are the most cliche. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And sometimes I'm like, cookies are stupid. And, <laughs> and they're not stupid, they're beautiful. You know, and it, it was a joke yeah. that never quite worked, but like, yeah. it's the same kind of idea of like, of like, I think people can completely relate to that idea. And I think that oddly, mm. the more specific you get with washing the dishes and your dog and, and, and this and that, the more specific you get. And even like, a flip-flop, like, you, you know, and then I stub my toe on a nail that's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why do you, I haven't even fixed this house after 10 years. And then, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. patching it up with, with, uh, with, with, uh, <laughs> you know, with a, with a bandaid. My wife comes over and she goes, uh, you know, and she kisses me on the forehead and I go, I'm so lucky to be alive. You know? <laughs> right. like, yeah. like there's a, there's a way in which it can go yeah. back and forth and back yeah, and forth yeah, yeah. with the specificity. That's good. To the point where the audience at a certain point is like, they're in on your life. Yeah. It's almost take out that wobbly part yeah. and then get into the flip-flops. Take I, I out that so. awkward bridge in between. Now, here's my other question. That's a great fix. Here's another question. I don't say fuck in my act. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I do either. I didn't in the last couple. I Yeah. Last two shows. And... um talking about that audience and whether or not you're pushing them away or whatever. Yeah. You know, I have some people I know who are like, it's the biggest laugh of the act right now. 
When you oh in that when yeah, I go yeah. fuck this place oh yeah yeah it is the biggest laugh yeah in the act and I'll ask people on this tour I'll ask my whoever is that a problem saying fuck and they say you saying fuck you saying that one fuck is not what you think it is oh here's my argument I, it's, uh, famously Jim Gaffigan said that the cursing cursing in your act is like there's nothing wrong with it it's just using steroids right <laughs> <laughs> which i think is a funny it's a funny way of looking at it yeah i always try to think like <laughs> what are the alts that don't have the word fuck and then there's nothing wrong by the way there's nothing wrong with the word fuck and there's nothing wrong with any piece of language in my opinion um, with some exceptions, um, the, <laughs> the, but generally like, let's just brainstorm what other things could be. Okay. Say, tell me the line in context and then I'll say one and then you say one and I'll say one and you say one. Say the line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some, uh, I'll be doing the dishes and thinking everything is a okay. And then I'll walk out into the hallway, turn the corner and go, fuck this place. Okay. Or. I wish I was dead. Or, I hate it here. <laughs> or, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I wish I had never been born. This day sucks. <laughs> now, these are funny. No. no. They're not funny enough. No. Um, Screw this place. Doesn't do it. There is a thing. There is a thing. There is a reason that that word has so much power. Yeah. And there is a Fuck reason yeah. that every single person in that audience, maybe four of them, have said it or say it because it is conveying in a very guttural, human yeah. level. Wah. Can I pitch one more? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you go, sometimes, is it the dishes that you lead into? Yeah. Sometimes I'm washing the dishes and I think my life is a-okay. Okay. And then I walk into the other room. Turn the corner and I say. I turn the corner and I say, if I died at this second, no one would notice. <laughs> it's good. It's not bad. It's on the, it's on the path. It's on the path. Because it has to get, it has to just go so dark. Yeah. Right, and it's it got to, to convey the same emotion that that cathartic fuck is saying. And that you've thought. Because I've thought that, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a the I am a loser vein. Yeah. The I am, yeah. I am lost, I am nothing, I am close yeah. to death. If a boulder fell on my head right now, people would be more worried about moving the boulder. Yeah, too wordy. Yeah, yeah. It's like terrible. too, like right. Like you it's wanted terrible. to, you no, wanted to. Yeah, yeah. You want to short, it, yeah. short and fast. Yeah. Well, well, you solved the bridge. I think there's. I think we're making progress. Mm-hmm. So the final thing we do is working it out for a cause, and basically, if you have a nonprofit that you contribute to and you think it does a good job, we contribute to them. We link to them in our show notes and encourage our listeners to, to contribute as well. Beautiful. You got anything? I don't help people. Perfect. No. I've got <laughs> <laughs> um, my sister's nonprofit is called City Green. Oh, great. And it's in Clifton, New Jersey. And she is, has built this amazing, amazing organization that creates uh, city gardens and learning gardens for underprivileged kids in Passaic and Patterson and Newark and Clifton and all Incredible. of these places. And she has, she took over these abandoned farms wow. and she has, she like delivers vegetables to all of these communities and she has summer camps and all yeah. of these people. This is gorgeous. What learning. are you doing? What are you doing with your life? <sighs> Citygreenonline.org. I, I don't care. I make people laugh Not for interested. money. Uh, uh, mm, Jim Gaffacant. Ah, oh, isn't that great? <laughs> so funny it's so perfect it's, this, it's a strong burn it's the strongest burn i've ever had <laughs> working it out because it's not done 
We're working it out because there's no That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. So much fun to riff with Tom. I have an update. Tom called me a few days after we recorded this episode, and he tried a version of that same joke without the word fuck, and it crushed. So there you go. Working it out. The podcast works. (laughs) Does the podcast work? Yes, it does. It's helping millions. Um, You can get Tom's book, We're All In This Together, so make some room, along with his other books at your local bookstore. And you can check out his tour dates at TomPapa.com. Our producers of Working Out are myself, along with Peter Salomon and Joseph Berbiglia, associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producers Gary Simons and Lucy Jones, sound mix by Ben Cruz, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Uffall, as well as David Raphael and Nina Quick. My consigliere is Mike Berkowitz. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Her book, Little Astronaut, is in bookstores now. And of course, special thanks to my daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows. If you're enjoying this show, which is at this point over 100 episodes, come on. Three years in, come on. We got a, a YouTube channel, come on. Go on to Apple Podcasts, put a stars thing, say your what your favorite episodes, uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies. Be a Jim Gaffacan and not Jack. <laughs> Jim Gaffacant. Uh, actually, Jim might be coming on back on the podcast very soon, but you didn't hear from me. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're working it out. See you next time. <laughs>